Before we start today's show, we wanted to talk briefly to all of our wonderful listeners. We are quickly coming up on our 100th episode, and we want to celebrate that with all of you. To do that, we would like to hand over the microphone to you. We'd love to hear about your favorite episodes, why you keep listening to us, when you shouted at us the most, what you think we should do in the next 100 episodes, basically all of your thoughts about Pop Culturally Deprived. Like Mandy says, we really want to hear you during the episode. So there's a couple of ways you can do that. We have a SpeakPipe account. Uh, so you can call and leave a short message. That's speakpipe.com slash eloquentgushing. And you can also record yourself by any means, a phone, a mic, podcasting equipment, uh, talking through two cans tied by a string. And you can email them to us, podcast at eloquentgushing.com. So Matthew, what are you hoping to hear from folks? Uh, I I actually really want to hear where people have discussed or recommended our episodes to other people. Like, where has Pop Culturally Deprived come up in conversation somehow? Like, it always seems to come up for me like, oh, yeah, we had this conversation on the podcast about that film. And here's a thing that we said. And I mean, I talk about films a lot, so that's probably fair. Right. Um, how about you? Well, mostly I, I want to hear the things that I already mentioned. I want to know what folks loved. I really want to know when people argue with us, especially if they're like listening to us in the car and they're just shouting at us because they either agree or disagree with us. I love <laughs> to hear about those things. Um, or even things that you've just simply thought that we've gotten wrong. Have I hated a movie that you just absolutely loved and you need to tell me about it? Tell <laughs> us that. Tell us why you listen. You do have some time before we record our 100th episode, but this is our formal request to hear from you and be a part of this milestone. If you don't want to speak, you can drop us something in text form that we'll read out, but I love having other people's voices on here, so it would be amazing to hear from you. The deadline to be included is November the 28th of 2018, in case you're hearing this in the future, and we've already released like 300 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you have plenty of time. So there is no excuse for not getting us something. So now we will get on with this week's show. episode number 85 of Pop Culturally Deprived, and today we're going to be talking about hackers on your My Crime is That of Curiosity podcast. I'm Andy Kay. And I'm Matthew Vose. This week we have got a proper professional movie watcher joining us. We have Tim Batt, comedian, co-host of The Worst Idea of All Time, co-host of Overlooked and Undercooked, and founder of the Little Empire Podcast Network. Tim, welcome to the show. It is a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me on. So you have been doing a podcast for a few years now, watching movies every week, just constantly watching indeed. movies. I have a movie review podcast with fellow comedian Guy Montgomery, also of New Zealand, now based in New York. And uh, we, we started doing a movie review podcast about three and a half years ago where we would watch and review a movie every week. But the twist was the movie would never change. So we spent 52 weeks watching and reviewing Adam Sandler's Grown Ups 2. And then we moved on to a year of Sex in the City 2, and then uh, ended on a third and final season of We Are Your Friends, which was a Zac Efron EDM vehicle for him <laughs> that uh, did not work out well for anyone. <laughs> Lost a lot of money. And, and then you egged each other on to watch it 60 times, not just 52. Cause yeah, that was my course. idea, and in retrospect, <laughs> I mean, look, could I take it back? I would. <laughs> 
So it's terrific having you here. Um, it really funny. So when when we first mentioned this and said like, oh, we do this classic, you know, movie talk show thing, you instantly went Ferris Bueller. I would love yes. to talk about Ferris Bueller. Uh, so sorry, we can't because we've already done that quite a while ago. But I quite want to fine. give you a chance. Why was Ferris Bueller the one that stood out to you? Why is that your like most favorite classic film? There is a lot of it's a very important film in my family i think we watched it a lot i'm one of four children and it was um there was very few movies that all four of us i think really adore and ferris bueller was absolutely it so back in the old days when blockbuster was around and we'd go to the, the video store you know we'd often get a couple of movies but um ferris bueller was almost always in the mix of the like grab five movies for 10 bucks deal oh nice so should I not tell you that I was not really a fan of Ferris Bueller? You absolutely shouldn't tell me that, Mandy. That would well and truly get us off on the wrong foot. I think it is an almost perfect film. I love it so much. But I'm really keen to hear what you didn't like about it without delving too much because I know we're not talking about that film. Mostly I thought Ferris Bueller was a really terrible person and that colored my perception of the rest of the movie. Yeah, I've got bad role models, but I, I, can, I can understand that. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those, it's a little bit harder watching it now. Yeah, I ha- I have to admit, I haven't watched it like in the last five years, and I know that the world's been spinning pretty quickly um, the last half decade, so I, I kind of don't want to revisit it for no. fear of it not stacking up. It's still beautiful, and it's still fun. The great thing Next. about it for me, though, is that now there are so many things that reference it in pop culture, and now I understand all of those references. <laughs> <laughs> Save Ferris, for example. It's going to yes. be the biggest one, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. Th- that's the great thing about this show is I get to experience all this stuff and then I see it in other places and understand what I had previously been missing because I didn't realize it was a reference. Perfect. Every day is a school day. It is. Okay. So we then found that Hackers was your next choice really quickly. You just scanned the yeah. list. You're like, yep bang at that one why hackers does is this a family family favorite um not whole family but my older brother eldest brother dave um was i don't know if he still would be but was a huge fan of this film Mm. when it came out and by extension i became a huge fan of this film as well it's just there's a lot going for it it's highly stylized (laughs) it's it's really bad like it does a it's not a good movie but it's ambitious and it's stylish and i think my one of my strongest entry points into it is fisher stevens plays the villain in this film and when i was a really young kid short circuit which is a film about a robot Mm -hmm. getting struck by lightning and coming to life that was my favorite movie like i watched it hundreds of times that was the sort of my little pony of my upbringing i would just watch it relentlessly and uh fisher stevens is sort of the um hapless co-star in that film uh and has actually come under a lot of fire in recent years because he's essentially doing brown face in it because he's he's playing an indian guy i was um, gonna say is that him <laughs> it is it is indeed oh, and it's sort of one of those that aziz ansari brought it up uh semi recently and i think might have hit him up about it in an interview or something there was some sort of <gasps> orchestrated conversation recently where fisher stevens had to reckon with this um yeah acting decision or, or career decision of years gone by and he freely admits that it was not a particularly cool thing to do um but sort of chalked it up to a it was the beginning of his career and he needed to take any gig that he could get and be uh you know slightly less educated time for all of us i think yeah you could appreciate at least he wouldn't make that decision now 
You'd hope. Yeah, I don't Surely. think so. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't know the guy. Maybe he would. <laughs> but then having watched Breakfast at Tiffany's recently, or people even later in their careers would do it. Um, Times change, don't they? Hmm. Thank God. Okay. I would say this is something of a seminal uh, 90s classic. This is a thing everyone's seen. Everyone can reference, everyone can talk about. Uh, Mandy, how come you've never seen this? Honest to God, I didn't know this movie existed until we started this podcast. (laughs) I don't know how I didn't know about this movie. Like, had I watched this movie in 1995, I would have loved it and probably watched it all the time. (laughs) Like, yeah, this is. I have no idea up how I your missed street. it. Yeah, I don't know if it was particularly big when it came out, though. Right? It wasn't successful. Right. I'd still say it was famous. Yeah, but okay. So we went to the local video store every Friday night, and I would just browse the shelves until I found something that looked interesting. And so I wasn't always watching new releases. Um, okay. and, and stuff mm. like that. So I, I'm really surprised that that by the time I started actually being able to watch films and and things like that, that this is not one that I came across. Because when we talk about the um, movies that are similar to this, one of them is one that I watched over and over and over again. <laughs> What's that? The Net. Oh, with Sandra Bullock. Yes. Great movie. <laughs> Yes, they're very, very similar. And that movie, I I think that was my first Sandra Bullock movie. And I completely fell in love with her and this whole idea of like computer espionage. And I yes. thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I think there was a period of time I could probably quote that movie. Wow. That's so weird <laughs> that, that, that the net was that movie for you. Because it was really ahead of its time, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, it but, sort of came out. I think just before we started getting really excited about that stuff culturally, mm-hmm. and if it had to come out about maybe f- even four years later, I think it would have done a lot better than it did. Yeah, but it's just it's so weird to me that I loved that movie and just had no idea that hackers existed. Hackers is a lot sillier, I would say. Like it's a lot campier. Mm. That's true. It's pitched to the kids, man. <laughs> Who do you um, think this movie is for, Matthew? <laughs> I'm not sure anyone should have seen this film. Um, <laughs> let's get into that in a second. A uh, bit of history for everyone. If you are not aware, Hackers is a 1995 cult classic crime movie directed by Ian Softley, starring John Lee Miller and Angelina Jolie. The film performed poorly at the box office. It made $7.5 million domestically against a $20 million budget. Critical reception was fairly mixed. Roger Ebert said, The movie is smart and entertaining then, as long as you don't take the computer stuff very seriously. I didn't. I took it approximately as seriously as the archaeology in Indiana Jones. (laughs) Which is pretty perfect. Like, that's why he's one of the great film critics. Right. (laughs) Uh, Miller and Jolie were married after the production of this film finished and stayed married for several years. I did not know that. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) So this was pre-Billy Bob Thornton. Might have been her first husband. Wow. That's a good get from him, I've got to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Punching upwards. I would say so. Punching upwards. That's not the right analogy, is it? Um, Mandy, do you want to give us a brief synopsis if anyone hasn't seen the film? Um, It is about teen hackers who are framed for making a virus that will capsize five oil tankers. 
Yeah. You guys go dead silent. I mean, <laughs> that was incredibly efficient. Yeah, yeah. It's about. It is about that, really. Yeah. Well, there's okay, a bad I didn't guy who's write it. IMDb did. <laughs> right. Well, I would say that it's about. It's a bit, it's it's quite it's almost a heist movie in some ways. Like they're getting framed. The good guys are getting framed for a heist, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, Will we agree with that. Definitely. And so it's kind of I I like that genre wise. It got described as a crime movie. I would not describe this as <laughs> no, a crime right. movie. <laughs> this is like a kind of it's not quite cyberpunk, but it's definitely got the cyber bit of it and sort of punk elements. It's like a pulpy cyber teen thriller in a way <laughs> not quite a comedy not quite enough drama to be called a drama maybe yeah i don't know maybe crime is when i think crime i think of like a policeman right so cyberpunk teen thriller crime heist nailed there it there we go Perfect. if we could get a song in there and make it a musical we're done <laughs> yeah um <laughs> tim how were you able to watch this do you own this have you got it on a streaming service um let's just say i watched it online <laughs> good, good, I have, good moving on i have owned this movie in various forms in fact uh including at one time in my life on vhs i'm pretty nice. sure which uh wow. speaks to the age of this this piece of cinema nice it is available on amazon prime in the states so score one for me yeah it is not over here i found it on a dvd in a local shop oh nice one yeah. Oh, they put this movie on DVD. That's impressive. Yeah. It was <laughs> Hey. It was 50p. <laughs> oh god. That's brutal. <laughs> okay. Uh so the two big stars, Johnny Lee Miller and Angelina Jolie. Amanda, have you seen them in anything else? Um I honestly did not recognize Johnny Lee Miller. Um but I have since learned that he is currently the star of the Sherlock drama um Elementary. And apparently he was a recurring character on Dexter, which I have seen all of it and didn't remember him. So, okay, no. Okay. Um, Angelina Jolie, I've seen her in a lot of things. I didn't actually look her up, but I know I've seen her in Girl Interrupted, all the Tomb Raider movies, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Salt, Changeling. So I'm pretty familiar with Angelina. Okay, nice. Uh, and Johnny so you- Miller is also in Train Spotting. I just want to add. That, that might be a good reference point for people. He's sick boy in that. Mm. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. It's good. I think it's mm. on the list, maybe. I, I'm fairly sure it is. I've not <laughs> seen the sequel yet. So I can't bring myself to do it. Okay. Because <laughs> um, that feels like a cash grab that many years later. Ooh. Yeah. Um, you mentioned similar film of the net. There is a whole sequence of sort of computery hacking type films from this era. Uh, War Games, A Wild Before, Sneakers, Swordfish, The Net. Have you seen any of them? Are you aware of computers? <laughs> <laughs> I am aware of computers. Thank you, Matthew. Okay, good, good, good. Um, in fact, War Games is on the list. Who is it? <laughs> um, I, I have never heard of Sneakers or Swordfish, so <gasps> no. Okay. Sneakers is one of my favorite films, so. Yeah, I, I'm feeling very, very much more pop culturally deprived today than normal. <laughs> Can I just throw in about War Games that it was an incredibly consequential film when it came out? Not only is it Matthew Broderick's second greatest work after Ferris Bueller's Day Off, but <laughs> it was also the film that triggered, um, I'm trying to remember the exact name of the piece of legislation, but it's the computer... Um, hacking and fraud act or something like that Mm -hmm. in america and it gets used as this 
very umbrella blanket um, law that they prosecute people under, particularly like the government themselves go after people to um, get it when they've revealed information. And it was off the back of, in War Games, Matthew Broderick's character um, uh, manages to interface with a basically Department of Defense uh, nuclear sort of AI machine that mm-hmm. carries out these war games to mm-hmm. simulate what they should be doing to make war plans if anyone launches an A-bomb. And he does it by um, whistling into his phone and making like sort of modem noises to, to click into the system. Mm-hmm. And all these old like 250-year-old senators in America got called up by their um, dumbass constituents and were like, oh my God, this thing. Look at this scary thing that's in this movie. And they basically passed this law off the back of the scare created by this this kind of silly movie, War Games, with Matthew Broderick. Interesting. And a lot is of people that, have gone down from that law. Is it, that's the same law that they invoked to arrest Dade and hackers, right? Um, Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's right. like unauthorized entry, computer entry or something like that. Yeah. Connecting really, the dots. Okay. Yeah. There you go. So people who are now having a go at millennials used to scare, like, the greatest generation or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. By whistling as a modem. Whistling, very scary. It's legit. It works. Sure. Um, It does. It's it's actually in this film. It's in Hackers, the whistling thing. Well, yeah. I think think we might be coming to that because that's a great bit of hacking. Um, (laughs) Mandy, you've now seen Hackers. Did you enjoy it? I did. I actually did. I know it has sounded like talking about it that I didn't, but I really did. Did you like it? Yeah. Okay. I did. Because you can enjoy it. You can go, oh, this is fun. This is silly. Yeah. I mean, I would probably watch it Even if it's it not again. necessarily good. Okay. I, I don't know that I would go seek it out, but if it happened to be on television, you know, I wouldn't turn it off. What did you enjoy? Uh, mostly it's really fun to look back on a world where it was okay to have a password that only had three letters. <laughs> and where too much machine for you is 28.8 bps modem (laughs) (laughs) i mean some of it was just like so relatable that it was painful and some of it was just so ridiculous that you couldn't help but be entertained by it we had a, a question from kim on twitter actually this might be a good place for it she asked what's our favorite piece of outdated technology Oh, I wasn't prepared to answer that question. That is, like, on display in this movie? Yeah. I I, mean, this probably doesn't count, but the visualized garbage, like, (laughs) trash can in this, it's never existed. It's not a thing. But that. Just the idea that you would have this 3D modeled sort of video game (laughs) to represent stuff that you've put in the trash is fantastic. (laughs) That and rollerblades, actually, it would be my second thing. Oh, the rollerblades, yeah. I was never able to rollerblade. I'm still jealous about that. <laughs> it's never too late. Because <laughs> there is this like thing in movies that they do for the kids that has like an extreme sports moment. Someone skateboards down some stairs or does a thing, but they never really take it to that place. He's just sort of moving down a corridor. Like They've put him on a skateboard and just pushed him. <laughs> Get into the scene. But they do a great one in this movie where they hack into all the traffic lights so that they can have this free run on their skates and go through the town because they create this huge traffic jam. It's used to, like, the best effect ever. Mm -hmm. God, I'm going to just be defending this film at every turn. I tell you what. 
No, that's wonderful. Perfect. I I do love the kind of karaoke VCR machine thing, picking all the different things in the in the TV network. Oh yeah, that was and funny. And then and then her fighting him with another one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that is um for for people who haven't seen the film, it's like this kind of claw contraption where their idea of how a TV network works is there's like a big metal claw that grabs a big beta tape or VHS tape and de- gets it out of the shelf and puts it into the slot. And then they both hack into the system at the same time. So the claw is like kind of being taken over by two people. It's kind it's of like, a cool idea. I don't think it's how any TV network has functioned ever. <laughs> I'm pretty sure cool. they don't broadcast a video recording or something. Uh, and this yeah. idea that it's kind of a left-hand, right-hand claw fighting over yes. a tape. <laughs> It's a great idea, though. It's great. And, and I think that's part of it. Like, there is a lot of kind of bonkers or outdated tech in this, but it still kind of works on the counterculture elements of it. The yes. idea of people just finding, right, I've got a computer, I've got a system, what can I do? What can I hack? What can I figure out? It's taken to the nth degree, but it's sort of legit yeah. trying to show people exploring this world. It is. And I think the core spirit of this film is is about hacking it's there's a lot of stuff mm. which is grossly inaccurate in this film with its treatment of technology and that's just you know to get get bums on seats to try yeah. and sell a movie but the core heart of this film i think you know it survives it's about getting a system and seeing how far you can push it in whatever direction um which is unintended from how the manufacturers made it and and made it for you to use and i love that idea I think that that's like my favorite thing to do with tech. It's like, cool, what can this do that the people who made it did not intend? Mm. God, the hours that like people who make video games have wasted designing a game. So, okay, if you ta- stand on top of the TV set, this is what happens. Okay, if that character walks over here, this is what happens. Because they know that's exactly what people do. They go into a world and they're like, oh, okay, what are the rules? Where am I allowed to do? What am I? What Can I jump on top of here? Can I shoot the bookcase? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. It's the first thing you do, right? It's yeah, human nature. Absolutely. We just want to mess with the boundaries. Mm. So I came up with my favorite piece of outdated technology. Go on. We've waffled enough to let you think of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I can also bring it back to a Buffy reference. Oh, perfect. There we go. Uh, Joey's yellow floppy disk. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yes. The one that he hides? The with one the... that he hides, yes. <laughs> it's in the place where I put that thing that time? Yes. <laughs> a great line. Great I love that line. <laughs> yeah. So, and of course, I, I don't know if you're a fan of, of Buffy, Tim, but that we tr- try often to, to somehow get a Buffy reference in, from the movie into to our show. And um, the, the disc that had the spell to bring Angel's soul back was on a yellow floppy disc that got lost. So, <laughs> oh, yellow floppy disc it. for the win. Do you think that that was an homage? Probably not, eh? I I couldn't say honestly. With Joss, you never know. I um I actually was a huge Buffy fan when it came out. I haven't watched it at all since. But when I was a kid, like Sarah Jessica, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, <laughs> I've been watching too much Sex and City. Uh, <laughs> Sarah Michelle Gellar was, I think, my first ever celebrity crush because I I thought Buffy was the absolute bee's knees when I was a kid. So cool. She is the absolute bee's knees. Yeah, still is. Always will be. Absolutely. Yeah, pretty sure she's taken, man. Sorry. <laughs> oh, well, can't win them all, Matthew, yeah. unfortunately. That's a, that's a love we think will last forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I suspect it's that the yellow pops on screen. 
It's a cool colour. Mm. And you never see floppy disks in that colour. I mean, you don't see floppy disks at all nowadays, <laughs> but it's always grey. It's like the complete opposite of what it should be. Right. And yet, and yet we still have save icons on iPads. Figure that one out. Disk. Yeah. <laughs> Apple sheeple. Um... I do like the the through line with the floppy disk, particularly at the end where they get all the data onto a disk and then throw it in the trash. And he's just being arrested with that whole sequence of like, you're all trash. We're trashing the place. We're trashing it. Trash. Trash. Trashity trash. <laughs> yeah. It's pr- it's subtle, isn't it? It's mm. subtle, but it's there. And the only person who can work that out, Matthew Lillard. I tell you what, this movie, if there's one thing that it doesn't do. It's subtlety. It does a lot of things. Subtlety is not one of them. And I love this movie for it. It doesn't... It, it's like... It's it's sort of trying to be clever, but not really at all. Yeah, all I could think when I was watching this, that this is the most 90s movie that ever 90'd. <laughs> what are you basing that on? <laughs> Everything. Oh, every, the way they dressed, the way they talked. But, it, but it's more like... I mean, I know this is actually a 90s movie, but I also felt like that this was a movie that was what grown-ups thought kids could or would do and what grown-ups thought kids talked like and how they acted. Like, they needed a teenager consulting on this movie, I think. But it was the way they dressed, the way they talked, the way they went to classes. Um, It was just all ridiculous. This is is common, I think, for uh, American film and television, but everyone looks like they're 35 and they're trying to pass all these people off as, like, 16, 17, 18-year-olds. But the fashion in it is bonkers and so wonderful. Like I'm in love with the incredibly bold fashion choices that they made because I don't think they worked in the 90s. They certainly don't hold up to any scrutiny now. Right. But they're just all over the shop. Like, cereals and crazy stuff. Angelina Jolie's got this this really cool, like, cyberpunk aesthetic kind of Matrix before Matrix Matrixed. It's so confident in itself. Well, it's but it's because they're hackers, man. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to what you think. They're expressing themselves. Okay, and that is one of my favorite things with this, is the repeated use of the word man by everyone. And, like, having watched the film, I think we've all ended up doing it. There is a sequence <laughs> with, like, Matthew Lillard and the guy from The Crow when they find out that he's uh, zero cool. Oh, man. It's universally stupid, man. Yo, man, you an amateur, man. <laughs> Two lines. It's a counterculture term. It is. It's it's sort of like um it's like a watered down version of comrade, you know? It's like a it's and it's also a, it's an oft ter- used term of endearment for that kind of fringe conspiratorial set of people. You know? Black helicopters, man. You got to look out for the man. It's the FBI, man. See, I th- I think it's always used as this kind of teens in gangs. You know, it's used in The Warriors, it's used in this and The Crow. And I think, like, having referenced The Matrix, I think it's in there a lot as well. Yeah, I truly do mm. think it's a standard for a kind of counterculture bit of punctuation on a sentence. I think so, absolutely. It's it's almost kind of how they they transition to using dude a lot in some of that later 90s kind of surfer culture Mm. um Mm. but it's used the same way except the dude abides honestly (laughs) (laughs) whereas man is is less so um except when people say things like damn the man or 
something like that. Mandy, what do you think is the current stand-in for dude and man? Like, what is it now? See, I am so behind the times, I still say dude. I'm like, dude, look at that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I don't know. I also have realized I'm horribly old and know nothing about what teenage culture is like now. Yeah, me too. It's kind of scary when you get to that point that you're so removed from anyone under the age of 25. You're like, what? I wonder what teenagers are up to these days. How do they dress? What are they What are they talking about? What What apps do they use? Are they on Facebook? Apparently they no, hate Facebook. They hate Facebook, yeah. My my boyfriend's 15-year-old son has lived with us this summer, and I, I just sometimes I just don't understand what he's saying. And um, sometimes oh. I'm like, like, there's this repetitive thing that he says that's like, you say you're going to do something or you're not going to do something, and he'll just be like, bet. It's like, I bet you won't. Bet. And I'm like, is that a reference to something? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> what what should, is this a of, young man? <laughs> <laughs> and I finally, I asked my boyfriend, I was like, where did that come from? And he's like, it's just a thing they say now. And I'm like, okay. I'm so old. (laughs) I've never heard that, Mandy. This is news to me as well. It's so cutting edge. It's never been in a movie or TV show yet. And you know when it is, (laughs) they'll stop saying it. Exactly. Too mainstream. (laughs) I'm saying they. (laughs) We're so old. Yeah, we are all (laughs) horribly old. It's okay. That's all right. Look, if hackers uh... is what it's like to be young, I don't mind being old. I, I was quite impressed in the film, um, although it's only got a couple of women in it, and Angelina Jolie is arguably the only one who gets any agency. The mm. racial diversity was really good from a film of this era, and for this film that could so easily have been all sort of middle-class white kids at a school, almost every role was someone from a different ethnicity. That That's so much a part of this film and mm. as silly and you know bad kind of, yeah bad, i'll say bad <laughs> i'll stick to that as bad as this movie is just <laughs> in terms of being a film it does draw on really cool bits of that kind of hacker counterculture um ethos and there's a lot of like gender queer stuff going on in the film mm-hmm. um the two sort of iconic god figures of hacking in their yeah. world are these two quite androgynous um, Asian American dudes who host a TV show that they all love called Hack the Planet, and there's like even Serial is often wearing stuff that's kind of like um, pseudo kind of gender ambiguous about what clothes he's wearing. There's a lot of dudes with makeup, mm. and that's like that's that was a cool thing to see back in the nineties, you know. And I think that's probably that kind of stuff drew Angelina Jolie into this project as well. And maybe she even had an influence on that stuff because she's always been really out there. It wouldn't mm. surprise me if she really stamped her mark on this film as well. Yeah, that that's a really good point. And I, I think they also, besides just the, the ethnic diversity and representing some of that gender queerness, they also represented different social classes, which is something mm. you also don't always see in this kind of like teen movie. Yeah, if it is, it's something like uh, some kind of wonderful, where it is a point that they're on the other side of the tracks. Yes, and in this, it just it sort of happenstance that some of them are just not well off, which is how high school works. That's how the world works. Mm -hmm. And even the fact that Angelina Jolie's character's mother in this is like a famous feminist author in the world of this film. It's Mm. just like a, a cool little detail that's part of this universe. It's neat. 
there's a there's a lot of i think quite sort of feminist things going on in the film that aren't super heavy-handed the fact you don't really see dade's um or zero calls dad very much at all but his mum's quite a prominent part of it even even though mm. she's kind of not a great character but like she's the parent that you see just think little things like that and she's well, doing she good stand parenting. Up for him at, yeah 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 true yeah she oh. totally stood up for him at the end and that was awesome Against the man. <laughs> man. <laughs> man. Dude. And like, it's a, it's a shame that that stood out to me, having that level of diversity, but it just shows that you can just do it. Just, if you're going to cast someone, cast anyone. Yeah, Dex. Dex yeah. Hollywood. Yeah, you're listening to me? Yeah. Uh, they're not listening to me. Um, <laughs> I do have a question. So, th- there is a bit of cameo casting in this. Penn Jillette is in this. Of why? Penn and Teller. Yes. Yeah. Why is he in this? He's not doing any of his own thing. He's not charming and controlling a situation. He's not doing magic. He's just bumbling security, dude. I don't get why they've cast him in that role. Was he trying to break into acting or something in, like, 1995? I guess so. He's he's quite a, an interesting dude in real life as well. I imagine there were some elements of this film that spoke to him. Because he's... He's quite a loud and out libertarian, I think, right? Mm. Yes. So there was probably some anti-authoritarian strokes mm-hmm. of this film that he was like, yeah, okay, all right, I'll dip my toes in with this. All right. It was just odd. <laughs> yeah, but then I, again, I, I, Fisher I, Stevens playing a skateboarding like <laughs> hacker bro was also odd. So yeah, He is like the ultimate depiction of... Um, Oh, God, I've forgotten his name. What's the guy's name uh, who's in... He's a famous actor, but he's in that meme from 30 Rock where he's like, hey, fellow kids, and he's got the oh, cat backwards Buscemi. and holding skateboard. Yeah, he is like that meme, but in an actual movie in this. <laughs> like literally a 45-year-old dude on a skateboard <laughs> trying to be cool and down with the kids. So he was going to be my Buffy reference because he looks like he's a reject vampire. <laughs> like he turned That's up to right. casting looking like that and they're like okay grow six more inches and then we'll consider you <laughs> don't be okay. heightest Matthew <laughs> look at Peter Dinklage he's one of the finest most powerful sexy actors there is he, he is indeed this guy is up there as well <laughs> he's down there as well he's there um, he's there oh. he's in the he room <laughs> The the end of the film, that heist at the end is, you know, they're all going to come together and form like the Avengers of hacking and they're going to do it in five minutes. And it's supposed to be all tense as they're being hunted down by the Pendulette and Fisher Stevens. Um, and, and will they get it? Will they get the disc? Will they get it all done? Will they, they manage to get anything out? Does the tension work for you guys? Do you feel like, I no, don't know what's going to happen here? I don't know. I think the bottom falls out of this movie at the end a little bit. What did you think, Mandy? Um, I, I knew that they weren't actually at Grand Central Station. Like that was a way obvious misdirect, even though they literally told the audience that they were going to be at Grand Central Station. (laughs) I was like, no, this is too early for them to get caught. So that tension didn't work for me. Um, but then when they did actually get caught at the end, I wasn't really sure how it was going to go. I mean, it's a teen movie, so I knew that they weren't really going to all get shipped off to jail. But at the same time, there's some pretty evil shit happening. So I, I wanted to know. 
Well, that's yeah. good. It sounds like it held you at least. It did. And a bit of suspense yeah. and intrigue. Yeah. Matthew, was this a, was this the first time you'd seen this, or had you seen it as a younger man? Oh, I think I'd seen it, yeah, sometime when it came out uh, and buried it there. It, it feels like the sort of thing I would have watched with friends in between playing Tekken and Final Fantasy VII, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you, you have absolutely nailed the time at which this came <laughs> <Yeah>. out. <laughs> About the same sort of time as I remember we watched uh, Showgirls. That one of my friends had recorded off the TV. Like ah, this was on TV, and I recorded it. Except like there's ten minutes in the middle where it's Robocop because his friend, his parents came home, so he changed the channel. <laughs> I don't know. That's in Sh- I thought Showgirls was in like the two thousands. No, it was in the nineties. Oh man! It was like I yeah, probably ninety six, maybe. No, maybe oh. ninety seven. Oh, that's right. Right when this one came. Actually, when did Hackers come out? Was it nineteen ninety six? Ninety five, and Showgirls was ninety five. Yeah, these are bang on exactly the same period. Oh, wow. Okay. And Final Fantasy VII, I would say, is probably 95, Sometime around that. Yeah, yeah. So it was just, you know, my friend who lived near college, so we just used to go to his for the afternoon, play Tekken, watch a movie. Uh, And I'm fairly sure I watched this then. There is, I'm I'm kind of a sucker for um, those coming together moments in films. Like, I think there was a good description that um, the sort of Avengers, everyone needs to get together to defeat the enemy thing. And so that... I like that. They kind of try to use all of the tools at their disposal to unite all of these misfits to assist with... Um, they kind of have like a, a one of the first um, DDoS attacks probably mm. in cinema, right? That you actually see in a movie. Yeah, probably one of the first and only. Because <laughs> it's it not... make for great yeah, you know, exactly. movie-watching experience. Like, and, and that's why, as much as the visuals are completely bonkers, it does show, like, oh, things are going on. Oh, there's a rabbit attack. And that shows a rabbit bouncing along the screen, multiplying. A rabbit attack does... Can I just say, I'm I, I'm, I'm by no... I'm not, like, a coder or programmer or anything. I haven't learned any of that stuff. But I'm pretty into computers and have been for a long time. Rabbit attack's not a thing. It's not a term. It never has been. That's not a real thing. But I love that... They were like, we're making a movie, we're putting a lot of money into it, it's about computer hacking, it's coming out in 1996, so there's going to be a lot of crossover audience that we want to come, who we're going to need to explain stuff in the most basic terms, to give them some visual metaphors so they know what's going on, while we still coax out all of the nerds to come and see it as well. (laughs) And so they have to tread this very interesting line, which is why I think the film is a bad film. I think this is mainly the reason. They have to constantly, they, they want to be true to the spirit of the film, which I think they do a good job of in some areas that we've sort of already talked about, about the kind of um, diverse casting and all these interesting characters and the confident choices they've done around art direction and the really cool music, which we need to talk about in a second as well, which I think captures sort of that time of the of the counterculture hacking scene. But then they also have to kind of um, frequently chuck the handbrake on and have these characters like Fisher Stevens, um, female assistant kind of person yep. who just acts as the audience surrogate for everyone who doesn't know how to turn their monitor on to like explain <laughs> all of these terms in a frame that they'll understand. And it just brings everything to this big screeching halt and, and gives birth to these bizarre terms like a rabbit attack and a flu shot, which don't exist in computing at all. Well, but I mean, there were a lot legit. of things in yeah. this movie that don't exist. At all. So, sorry, Mandy, say that again. <laughs> there are a lot of things in this movie that, that don't exist, oh, yeah. didn't exist, have never existed. <laughs> I mean, 
you don't like when you're hacking into another computer like you don't actually see inside the computer and see like the electricity and all of that yeah. stuff <laughs> I mean. but like i know this is kind of a weird reference and it's not made for the same audience but mr robot is the perfect example that you can make an amazing like show mm. whether it's a movie or a, or a tv series and use actual things that exist in the real world of computing like everything in Mr. Robot is true to form. All their hacking techniques are real ones. It's all legit. You don't sort of have to just invent these weird terms and stuff to bring everyone along. Okay. I think though, even though they did do all of this weird stuff, it it on some level it worked for me because they did a really good job of showing on the screen what they were doing for people who have no idea what computers are. And in 1995, there were a lot of people who had no idea what computers were. Um, And so you kind of got this great visualization of kind of what's happening behind the scenes with how how they did that. And then, you know, combine that with how every time Dade got into the zone, like they did that like weird zoom of everything behind his head and you could kind of just (laughs) see He's in the zone right now. It was like a beautiful um, mind before it came out. Yes. Um, and so while I think it was utterly ridiculous and completely unrealistic, it still did work for me. Um, but I also really right. want to make fun of it for it. So <laughs> it Both can be true. You can both make fun of it and have it work. You know? Okay. Yeah. They're not mutually exclusive. Well, that's good because I make fun of a lot of things I like. So <laughs> good, good. This is what you do with your friends, you know. You tease. Yeah. These, these movies are our friends. Yeah. Yeah, we like it because of its flaws. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the music. Do, do you want to gush about the music because it is great? So the initial uh, big track that plays the intro to this movie is so good. You you're in this court case mm. for a child hacker who's being sentenced. And um, he gets he gets his sentence, which is uh, I can't remember the specifics, but he's banned from using a computer or touchtone telephone for. How, do you guys remember how many years? It's like uh, ten years. I or think something. seven years until his eighteenth birthday. Yeah, that's right. Until the day of his eighteenth birthday, and um, so it does that, and it's very dramatic. Like it's very full on, and this the casting on the child actor is very good and it's it's kind of high drama because you're so not used to seeing it's such an alien visual of seeing a child um on trial Mm. and it's actually quite a that works for me that was that was cool and then um anyway there's this great sequence that transpires um to take us into the intro credits which is um an aerial shot over uh where are we new york right yeah, should probably know that. It is New, New York, York City. <laughs> and then it transitions really smoothly into a circuit board. So, like, the cars um, are, are taken over by, I guess, sort of electrons moving through the circuitry. And the skyscrapers turn into little components that you'd see on a motherboard. And um, the track that's playing from memory is an orbital track called Halcyon On and On. And uh, which is also used in the Mortal Kombat movie, <laughs> weirdly. <laughs> Um, but it's just like it's great, and there's it's it's that whole kind of um, electronic vibe that was so big so briefly of like Chemical Brothers that prodigy vibe, a lot of like cool heavy techno trancey remixes of stuff. 
I don't know. I was a real sucker for that stuff back in the day. And I just think they captured that time. Like it's a, it's a beautiful time capsule for that genre. Yeah, looking at the page for the music, there's the soundtrack that came out with it, which has got that track and tracks from Left Field and Prodigy. And then there's a music from an inspired by soundtrack, which then has extra stuff from Underworld and Moby, and it's got a David Bowie remix. Hell yes. Yeah. <laughs> see, that's fantastic. I mean, that is so... I'm I'm looking that up now so I can see if I can get that on Spotify <laughs> or something. That sounds awesome. The Underworld track Cowgirl is such a cool... Oh, like Voodoo People from Prodigy. These are iconic mm. tracks of, of this era. Like, they're just fantastic. So should I admit I've never heard of any of these? <laughs> but you probably have what heard about them. Stereo, <laughs> what about that um, Stereo MC song, Connected? You know, you got to get yourself connected. The writing's on the wall. That was a huge track. That's in this movie. Mm. Not even that? No. Nothing's touching the sides with Mandy here. <laughs> I was sheltered, okay? <laughs> That's all good. That's fine. Well, you've got a, a great treasure trove of a couple of soundtracks to listen to now. Uh, yeah. When you're back up to speed. And again, it absolutely fits with the film itself. Yeah. So as much as we will laugh at some of the dialogue, some of what they look like, whoever was supervising the music on this, they pitched it just right. Can I just bring up as well, because I don't cool. know if, if... This isn't quite related to the music, but another reason why this movie is so iconic to me and kind of... I don't want to say important to me per se, but like it really resonates with me, is the game that uh, it, Angelina Jolie's character and and uh, Johnny Lee's character play off against is this version of Wipeout. I played a lot yeah. of Wipeout as a kid on PlayStation 1. Wipeout 2097, I think, was the first video game i've ever bought with my own money like nice. as a kid saved up my pocket money got a second hand copy of that that thing had a banging soundtrack with many of the same artists that you just referenced on the um mm. soundtrack for this movie and i've since found out um you know reading later in life that they had created this amazing sequence like basically using the same game engine um as wipeout so it looks like wipeout but it's not from a wipeout game they okay. made it and rendered it specifically for the film but man, I so, I always wanted to play that that arcade game that they're playing. It is so cool because it's like Wipeout, but there's weird obstacles in it as well. You got to like shoot down a drawbridge to fly over it and stuff. Ah, and it's not so cool. It's not just an arcade cabinet. It's like a giant screen and this yes stand position in front of it. It's like something off Games Master or some sort of TV show. Yeah, but they had those back in the day, right? Double joystick, like whole sort of. Massive screen surround experience. Yeah, but it's in, in a cool. cabinet, you wouldn't have this, you know, and everyone can spectate around you. And great, that club looked good. Um, it did. <laughs> Mandy, are there any things in this that you would say were your favorite bits of it? Any lines? Any performances? Um, we already talked about it's in that place where I put that thing that time. <laughs> yeah, perfect <Right>. line. <laughs> um, like I'm pretty sure I'm going to start being that vague when I talk now. <laughs> Um, I, the, the first line that actually really stuck out to me though, was in the very beginning, right after we move into Dade as an 18 year old and he's on his computer cause it is his 18th birthday. So of course he's on his computer and his mom is like, what are you doing in there? And he just kind of sarcastically shouts back. I'm taking over a TV network. <laughs> and that's exactly what he was doing. <laughs> like, dude is not lying. I think that's hilarious. It's a great moment. It is a great moment. 
And then uh, probably my other one is one that Matthew has, and I'm not going to steal it from him. So I'll let Matthew talk about Matthew Lillard. Okay. Yeah, because I, I love Matthew Lillard in this. I don't think he does anything. He's there only so that they can get that down to five minutes of that bit where they all come together at the end. I'm not sure he really adds anything anywhere else. Like even being someone at the end that they can shout the trash thing to and he goes and gets it. Could have been the guy's mum. Could have been anyone else we already had in this. True. But Matthew Lillard is just fun all the way through. And, and he's doing exactly what Matthew Lillard always does. And I think he basically left this film. Didn't get changed. Didn't take the makeup off. Makeup off. He walked over to the Scream set and just started filming Scream. Yeah, I don't think yeah. I've ever seen Matthew Lillard not play this character. <laughs> yeah. Ever. <laughs> And like I say, I can't find a purpose for him, but I still like him being there. He still just adds, I don't know, charm, maybe. He's a great character. Because he's this um, kind of moocher guy who's always sleeping on the other the other people's couches. <laughs> yeah. And he's always like looking for a place to crash and s- stealing their cereal and stuff. Like, it's great. Yeah, he's pretty fantastic. And he's the one, I think, who said man the most. Oh, yeah. And again, I think that's actually his quirk, yeah. He had that great moment where he just started quoting the Bible. No, 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 Truce, you guys. Listen, we got a higher purpose here, right? A wake-up call from the Nintendo generation. We demand free access to data. Well, it comes with some responsibility. When I was a child, spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. It's Corinthians 1, chapter 13, verse 11. No, duh. Come on. I was like, where did that come from? <laughs> but it was, I mean, it was fantastic. Like his inflection and intonation and everything. It was the weirdest, like most surreal moment of the movie, I think. Great bit of deadpan. <laughs> uh, Tim, we've been a little mean to the film so far. So if you want to pick out your favorite stuff now, this is your opportunity to go buck wild. Oh my goodness! I I feel like I have kind of inserted so many of my favorite <laughs> moments in already. Um, but what else? I I really there is something about that line. It's in that place where I put that thing that time, Mandy. I'm so glad you picked that because I I love and I would say that all the time as well. It would just like find excuses to run that in. Um, what else? There was so, I, this is kind of a corny moment. It's quite a John Hughesy kind of a moment. But um, when they get uh, trapped up on when Dave. He's yeah. trapped up in the with the promise of an Olympic pool up on the roof of the school, and uh, it's just a prank that they they play on sort of new kids to trap them up there with the rest of the nerds. And um, I don't know, it's just kind of like I've got a certain fondness for that American high school antics in cinema, and it's just such a like classic trope. It's you know the jocks against the nerds kind of thing. Mm. Although I've got to say. Considering he's the protagonist for the film, Johnny Lee Miller is too good-looking and sort of buff and well-built to be portraying the character that they've hung on him. But at any rate, we're, we're led to believe that he's sort of this geek nerdlinger guy. So that's fine. We'll take that as read. And it's just a, a goofy little moment. But it's probably the other stuff I've already mentioned is, is the stuff that warms my heart. It's the, it's the Wipeout games, the soundtrack. It's kind of all the little... I mean... Man, I really should know their names by now. Hack and Slash, right? Who did the TV show? Uh, Razor and Blade. Sorry, Razor and Blade. <laughs> oh, you were Big so part. close. <laughs> <laughs> sort of. Razor <laughs> and Blade, I think, are 
there's so many like things I love about them. I love that they're really kind of weird and sort of mysterious and really powerful. And they run this um, like cable access TV show talking about hacking and how to hack into telephones and stuff. That's one real hack, by the way, that they use in the film. Of um, so on American pay phones, you used to be able to get uh, the way that they would read coins going in to give you credits to make your calls is it would play a tone when you put the coin in into the phone which instructed it that you had credits and if you got the whistle out of um i think it was a captain crunch uh you could emulate the exact frequency into the microphone of pay phones so there were the kind of like original hack and steve jobs actually has talked about this and it's um i think he used to like rip off pay phones doing this steal the change out of them with steve wozniak <laughs> is you would take these Captain Crunch whistles and play them into a phone and then you could hang up and like get quarters out of them or would make free calls. So that's kind of cool. There's kind of cool real world one that's referenced in here. I was going to ask if that was a real thing because it just seems daft, but no, you can't It, do it, it. was a real thing. Crazy. On, on, in the movie, they do it on a tape recorder, but um, yeah, the 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 real OG dudes were uh, doing it with the Captain Crunch <laughs> whistles. Learning so it like an ocarina cool. or something. <laughs> Yeah. Haven't we talked about that on the show before? Have we? Maybe it wasn't you, but that sounds so familiar. Maybe, maybe it's a we thing. Didn't. It may have okay. come up. It, it may have. Hmm. Great, love it. Okay. And and the great thing about that that prank for for them going on the roof is like, are they all super excited by their swimming pool? That's why they've all. Run <laughs> yeah, it's like, a good point. We, we have no no this sign that, athletic. Yeah, that he loves swimming. That he's oh, yeah. there's a swimming pool. Awesome. <laughs> I must flock to it. And it's all the other like computer nerds. If there's one thing they wouldn't be excited by, it's a sports arena or swim Olympic sized swimming pool. Right. They should say there's a computer lab up on the roof or something, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> Make it of a piece. I do love his 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 prank back at her. <laughs> like hers is so innocuous just locking him on the roof. He shuts the entire school down, drenches everyone. Yes, but he stands there holding an umbrella, completely giving it away that he knew it was going to happen. Yeah, it's a bit of a power play. Mm. That's what it's all about, though, yeah. right? It's about sort of waving your big hacker dick around. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I guess adults didn't actually exist in that high school, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's totally fine. Which I kind of love about this movie as well. It's like adults are villains. There aren't really, apart from Dade's mum, maybe, there aren't really any good adults. Everyone who's under the age of 30 is a goodie, and everyone above that age is a baddie. Yeah. Even Which is how the, you sort of conceive of the world when you're that age, I think, a little bit. I think that is absolutely true. Um, I think I was really bothered with the portrayal of the government, the Secret Service specifically in this, because I just, I, that would never happen. Like... The Secret Service, one, I, I don't know that they would be the ones in, in charge of an investigation like this. That would be the FBI. And then they would never, ever go interrogate a minor and take a civilian with them and then let the civilian kick them out of the room. Um, like a Mr. God, what did he call himself? The Plague? Yeah. Did. Did with Dade. Like, I was struggling with that. And it just maybe because I'm sensitive about people running at teenagers with guns which happened a lot in this movie but yeah so why do we think they've given it to the secret service like is that just sloppy writing or i don't know i they didn't really explain it 
It's is, just that's who it was. Is it because it's like linked to Homeland Security and they're kind Maybe. of terrorists? But uh. even then, it wouldn't be the Secret Service. It would be the CIA. Right. Okay. Or still likely the FBI. <laughs> I mean, because they even talked about the FBI in this movie. Like when um, Joey did his hack across state lines in the other bank, they're like, dude, that's how you get the FBI mm. involved. But then the actual agency they bring in is the Secret Service. It's just weird. It, it bugged me. That's all. Yeah, I'd want to know why. I, I do have a question for you guys, though. Mm-hmm. Do you think, and, and it's, I don't think I got my first computer until I was like 1996-ish. Um, so I really have no idea what the technology was like in 1988 when this movie started versus what it would have been in 1995 when Dade turned 18. So is it reasonable to think that he could go for almost seven years without access to a computer? And as soon as he gets one on his 18th birthday, he can sit down and immediately hack a computer network and still be an elite hacker in this culture? Absolutely not. Okay. (laughs) That's what I I thought, but... (laughs) You've raised such a good point. Um, And I, I have to admit, I've never thought about that any any time i've watched the film because i've just sort of taken it on its own merits but you're completely right because you need to stay up to date with hacking's all about staying on top of what the latest exploit is and where this little hole in this bit of software is that you can gain entry and yeah the rate of of change that would have happened particularly in those years like there was so much happening with computers in that stretch of time there's no way i mean because that's when technology exploded Right? Mm. That's when we went from like 8 bit green screens to actual like Windows 95, you know? Totally. totally. Um, and, and so I, that was the first thing I thought when I was watching this. I was like, I'm pretty sure he would not be able to do that. It would at least take him a couple of weeks to get acclimated. And that's being g- generous. Absolutely. Okay. The most generous. Um, sort of version of this that I can muster is that maybe he's been keeping really up with, I don't know, reading the latest stuff. I, I don't know. There's no defense of this. <laughs> it's okay. a big plot well, hole. You know, may, honestly, though, maybe that's what they were trying to do whenever they had Serial pulling out all of the books and they knew what all of them were. Yeah. So may, Okay, maybe. Maybe he had done all that reading. I want to believe that, that no, yeah, he is that? hacker savant. He just <laughs> sits at a computer and can do it. I know this. It's a Unix system. I can shut out the Raptors, you know. Okay. <laughs> Other you famous hackers in you. pop culture, yeah. Yeah. Both acceptable answers in the world of hackers. <laughs> I mean, look, it's not even the biggest problem with this film, so <laughs> let's let's run with that. Yeah, that's true. But I still but liked it. But it's a it. great point. I still still liked it. It was was good fun. It is a good fun movie. It's Mm. big and dumb and bold and confident and like hyper stylized, which is which is what I appreciate about it. There's nothing there's nothing shy about this movie. Yeah. Even its dumbest moments it shouts from a rooftop. Yeah, so my boyfriend actually posed the question if if we thought that there was an actual hacker who was involved in creating the movie, either in writing the script or consulting, because they did things like include the Hacker's Manifesto. Like, they actually quoted it, and it was very highly romanticized, and it was kind of bringing the hacker culture together in solidarity. 
which I thought was an interesting point because, I mean, hacking is not a team sport. Yeah, true. I don't know anything about the writer of this film, but I'm going to assume that he, it smacks of a movie that he just kind of researched all of that stuff for yeah. this. Yeah, probably. Uh, they had a technical consultant, Nicholas Jaretsky, who uh, credits his experience on hackers and, as inspiring his later career. Apparently, John, as a screenwriter, uh, but he was a hacker at the time. Sorry, yep. And okay. actor John Lee Miller even attended a hackers convention. Interesting. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like a three month course or you know a six week intense one on one tutorial with with people who were you know computer hackers of the day. No, no, he went to a conference. He went to a con. Yeah, yeah, he went to a con, con ninety three or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, is there anything else that we need to talk about with hackers? I think I've I've said quite enough on <laughs> this film. <laughs> I think I've said all it deserves. It has a fondness in my heart, um, which will never be shaken, but I completely and readily admit that it is not a good movie. <laughs> okay, I think that is spot on as I've Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, we like to ask, I guess, is there anything else that you would recommend Maddie looks out to for her pop culture education? Any other classics or films that mean a lot to you? Oh, boy. Um, Put you on okay, the spot, obviously. About this. <laughs> Just go ahead and assume I haven't seen it. <laughs> well, I mean, th- I mean, this is a big one and a big one for me, and kind of related to hackers. Have you seen The Matrix? I have seen The Matrix. Okay, that's good. Did you see the second two? Uh, I saw the second one. Did not see the last one. Yeah, fair enough. They do get progressively worse, in yeah. my opinion. Um, mightily so after the first one. The first Matrix movie I owned on VHS wore the tape down. Nice. I watched it so many times. I really oh, wow. loved that movie okay. as, a, as a kid. Um, what would be another one? I mean, well, we've, we've mentioned it here, but War Games is kind of an interesting one, okay. a little bit. Um, if for no other reason than... Yeah, I just don't like Matthew Broderick in anything except for Ferris Bueller in a little bit War Games. Okay, that's fair. Oh, I guess the producers kind of, but I don't even think I like him in there. I just think I love Nathan Lane so much that his reflective glow just kind of bounces off Matthew Broderick a little bit. Now, I have to ask, is the reason that you don't like Matthew Broderick because he's married to Sarah Jessica Parker and you just can't stand her after all the Sex in the City 2 watching? There is a slightly, um, uh, what's the what's the word, like a hostage situation. Yeah. <laughs> We've got this bad relationship. No, it's nothing to do with that association. I genuinely just don't, it's weird. I think he's so good in Ferris Bueller, and yet mm-hmm. everything he's in as a grown-up adult actor, I just think he's not very good at. Yeah. I just don't think he's a very good actor. I miss Ferris Matthew. Broadway Matthew, I find him cold. But that's just me. I, I just don't like his, his kind of style, which is, it's so weird that he was so good so early, mm-hmm. in my opinion, and then didn't replicate that kind of acting style. Like even, okay, this is a very guilty pleasure that I will admit to, but am very um, ashamed for having liked. And this is what I was referencing before when I say that I had very bad role models in cinema. But like, I, there was a time in my life when I really enjoyed Van Wilder, Party Liaison. <laughs> okay, yeah, and yeah. 
Ryan Reynolds, I think, has that same kind of cheeky confidence, which is like, you know, realistically bordering on chauvinistic, but it's that kind of swagger, charm, um, charm offensive style of acting that Matthew Broderick does employ in Ferris Bueller, but then he just kind of loses it later on in his acting career. And that's always kind of appealed to me. I've liked those kind of swaggery characters. Okay, that makes sense. But don't don't watch Van Wilder. That is not my recommendation. <laughs> uh, don't worry, I have no plans to do that. Yeah, good. Don't. Okay. I would love to see if you guys have any ones to recommend to me. Actually, like off the back of maybe your journeys through this very series or just elsewhere. Oh. Well, I'm see. I'm yeah I'm doing a slightly different project this year. I'm watching 365 films in the year. Um. Whoa, mama. <laughs> which was fine when i said i'd do it on like the 4th of january and i hadn't been at work for a few days and i'd watched loads of films and it yeah. seemed really easy uh it's <laughs> yeah. less easy than it is but there's been a few surprises in there we watched frida today uh salma hayek as, as a, a frida Kahlo. yeah um and that was astonishing just beautiful and moving that was really good She's had the weirdest career. And I guess I'm mm. saying that as someone well, who's watched, you know, <laughs> yeah. Adam Sandler movies. <laughs> yeah, because I really want to go and watch other stuff she's been in. It's like, oh, I don't want to watch Desperado again. I definitely don't want to watch Grown Ups 2 or some of the other dross she's been in. Oh, go watch the one Dusk she did. Till Dawn? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Go watch the one that she did with Matthew Perry back in the 90s. Yeah, I saw that. I'm like, how is she the love interest from Matthew Perry? <laughs> It's like yeah, Owen Adam weird. Sandler, though, so. <laughs> no, just don't buy it. No. <laughs> well, I'm going to take Frida as a recommendation from that. Yeah, I can't think of any that we've done on the show that I've really, really loved that you probably haven't already seen. Oh, uh, you might be surprised. There's huge gaps for me, <laughs> massive gaps in my kind of pop culture education. Um. Well, have you seen The Godfather? Do you know I haven't? I highly recommend it. That was actually my favorite one, my favorite episode that we did last year. Um, and we recently recorded about Godfather 2, which hasn't come out yet, but I've really enjoyed those shockingly enough. Excellent. Well, I that, that is, yeah, I mean, that's one of those movies that you have to see. So that's a good recommendation that mm-hmm. kind of bumps it back up in my, you know, to watch list. Yeah, I I honestly didn't expect to like it. And then I loved it. Very cool. Yeah, so that'll, that'll be the one that I give you. Great. Okay. Frida and the Godfather. Nice. Part one. You didn't expect to get those recommendations out of a conversation about hackers, did you? <laughs> absolutely not. They both couldn't be more different from hackers or each other. No, so I love it. We've, we've covered a lot of ground with those three movies. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you would like to join the conversation, you can use the hashtag PC Deprived on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing. And you can email us at podcast at eloquentgushing.com. And you can find each of us on Twitter. I'm at Mandy Kay. And I'm at Matthew Vose. Tim, thanks so much for coming and joining us. This has been a huge heap of fun. Uh, Where can people find you online and your other projects? Uh, Thank you so much for having me on, guys. It's been such a fun convo. Uh, I'm online on Twitter, Tim underscore Bat, B-A-T-T. I've got a Facebook comedian page, which is probably only relevant if you're in New Zealand or Australia to see when I'm touring around. But otherwise, uh, check out my podcasts, The Worst Idea of All Time, and Overlooked and Undercooked, and there might be some other ones. I've got a um, little network that I run with some friends called LittleEmpirePodcasts.com, so you can go and check out the shows there. 
Yeah, I think everyone's heard me mentioning the worst idea. I'm particularly like, hey, these guys are doing this thing, and it's great. So it's well worth watching. <laughs> you you were saying the other day about putting out season one again, the Grown Ups 2 season? Yes. Yeah, we actually we sold season one uh, to a company, so it's been living behind a paywall to their subscribers for a while. Right. And I think that contract's about to end, and um, I want to get it back out in the world. So I think we'll be re-uploading season one quite soon. Nice. Well, that's you... going to require me to actually watch Grown Ups and Grown Ups 2. No, you don't watch the movie. We tell you every episode, <laughs> don't watch the movie. We did it so you don't have to. Okay. All right, I like that. Great. Yeah. Uh, Pop Culture Deprived is 100% funded by our fabulous listeners through Patreon. Anything you give gives access to exclusive content and helps to support the network and develop other shows. To find out more, go to patreon.com slash eloquentgushing. And if you want to keep up to date with the latest news announcements, remember to subscribe to our weekly newsletter. The link is on eloquentgushing.com. We'll be back next week with another episode of Pop Culturally Deprived, where we'll talk about Flatliners with Daniel Swenson. Until next time, I'm Mandy Kay. And hack the planet, man. Hack the planet! (laughs) (laughs) Pop Culturally Deprived is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, please visit eloquentgushing.com.